Leaf game day finally has arrived. Habs and the Leafs at Scotiabank Arena in mere hours to putt drop. If there's somebody that knows a little bit about the pressures here in Toronto, particularly when it comes to the men between the pipes, it's our next guest. Curtis Joseph here to help us tee up. Jack Campbell, Peter Mrazek, and how that may shape up. Cujo, how are you? I'm good, Kipper. How are you? I'm a little yeah, nervous we're... with that with that introduction and it's being game day against the Habs opening night. I got a little nervous there. Can you feel it a little bit, even where wherever you are right now? Oh yeah, no, it's uh, it's tension filled, but in a good way. You know, you're alive. When we um, when we look at now the expectations, and is there anything that you can compare it to, and and maybe what even Jack Campbell is feeling? He never came in with the pre- a pedigree that you had had once you signed with Toronto. And I'm just wondering, is is he feeling that much more than possibly you did? Because you always had that experience and you had that bona fide number one status already. This guy, we're still not sure. Yeah, I agree with you. We're still not sure. And uh, obviously the first, uh, first round pick, so he, you know, at one point he was highly acclaimed. Last year he proved himself, which is great. But this market in Toronto, it's what have you done for me lately, obviously. And there'll be question marks for sure around the goaltending. I don't think Morazic's played more than 40 games in a season. So he's not coming in as the guy that carried the ball, you know, long term. So Jack gets to start tonight, and, uh, you know, his coach gave him the ball and for what he did last year. I actually I love the way he plays, and, and my kids actually text me and go, hey, Dad, you got to watch Campbell play when he first got on the team. He, he looks like you out there, the style. And first thing I noticed, I flipped it on, and I, I noticed, I go, oh, yeah, he's got a small butterfly like me. <laughs> Not this huge butterfly that takes up the whole net. And then I go, wow, he really does look like me. Anyway, so it's good. So I'm a fan. I'm a big fan. And he's uh, he's feeling the pressure, but it's it's game one, and it's a long season. That's how you got to look at it. I love that you mentioned uh, his playing style because that was something I wanted to ask you about. Like when you watch the NHL today, how do you feel about how goaltenders play now uh, versus I feel like when you played, it was a lot more athletic and reactionary. Uh, As you mentioned, Campbell seems to be having success like that, but that seems uncommon today. How do you feel about goalie playing styles now compared to when you played? Yeah, a lot of them look alike, and you probably agree with that. They're they're 6'5". Great butterfly, cover a lot of net. Uh, goalie, they've had goalie coaches since they're four or five years old, so their technique is impeccable. And I remember guys coming in and uh, thinking to myself, how does this guy ever let a goal in? You know, they're just, they just cover everything. But, you know, as things goes on, it, it, it's, a, it's the best league in the world, and goals do go in. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I tend to cheer for the, for the guy who's under 6'2". I know it's crazy to say that. That's a small guy these days, but 
Um, I, I like watching a guy who's athletic and has to think the game, has to play the angles, and can make a sprawling save. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury comes to mind. I love watching that guy play. He's so athletic and so good, you know. Um, so I'm a fan of that kind of goaltending. He, he is the complete package when it comes to a mixture of maybe – percentages and that athleticism that you're, you speak of, you know, Cujo, I was, uh, I was watching uh, Toronto play Ottawa uh, in Ottawa. And I think it was Engvall's uh, goal. He was standing uh, flat footed, basically at top of the circle and Matt Murray needed to go post to post. And mm-hmm. he went down before the puck even left Engvall's stick. And yeah. I, I sent out a tweet and I froze it with the puck still on his stick. And there mm-hmm. is a six foot four guy down giving up the top half of the net. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, do you not want to take every uh, ounce of bigness that you have and just block a puck with, with your mere size? Why would, why would the goalies today instinctually go down? Well, that's how they're taught. Like that, that uh, the percentages do come into play. That you know, a shot from the point. I forget. I don't know what the, you know, back in our day before analytics. You know, I knew that a lot of the shots from the point, 80% were going to be below the knee because they didn't want to kill anybody. But when Al McInnes or Ray Bork got inside the top of the circle, percentages say it, 95% it was going in the top half of the net. So these are things that I thought about as a goalie playing the percentages, but. There are big goalies that play small and small goalies that play big also. Um, you know, I can't think of an example right now, but when, when you see them, you know them. Like, I remember guys coming down to me at the other end in practice, and then be a six foot five guy at the other end on our own team in practice, and they go, Cooch, I can't see any net on you. Tell him, play bigger. How, how is he that big? And I can see all kinds of net. So that tells you right there that there's a big guy down the other end playing small in practice guys can see it. And that's probably the best indication. So, you know, I think flurry and, you know, Jack Campbell too, does a great job. He's, he says he's listed at six too. I don't, I don't know if he is or not, but I think he does a good job of covering the net and playing the percentages and thinking the game. I like the way he plays. You know, one thing that uh, I think about when you played too is I think five goalies in NHL history played more games than you. Like you go through your your year-by-year stats and it's like 70 games, 71, 71. Uh, That ain't the case anymore. With Jack and Peter uh, sharing the the net as a tandem, how do you feel about the idea of tandems in general? Is that an effective way to to run things? Or or do you think that there still should be goalies that are hockey players and, and playing as much as everyone else? Well, it can be. It, it, it definitely can be. It's, the, it's kind of the new norm. I'm from the old school where I liked playing all the games and never got tired. And, you know, you feed off that. And, and uh, I like that having a go-to guy, just like you have a go-to center, go-to power play, you know. But this is a different, a different world we live in. I think the, the goalies are a little closer in, uh, in talent level these days with the size of the guys. But uh, it can work. But Make no mistake, it's a competition between the two guys to get into the net. Like, your friends, your teammates, and everything, and you want your teammate goalie to play good and great. 
but you want to play that much better, you know? So it's a, it's a competition and it's a, it's a grind every day. So um, I think Morazic, I like him as a goalie. I, I was talking to one GM years ago and, and he was like, Oh, he's too small. I'm like, too small. This guy's an athlete. He's six two. What? And, and a prominent GM. I'm like, really? It kind of shocked me. And then uh, like, I like him. I think he's a great athlete. He's just, he's got to stay healthy. So Razik's issue is going to be whether he can stay healthy for a full season and take the, take the bull by the horns and, and Jack is continue on where he's left off and, and, uh, and be the number one guy. Okay. Perfect. Uh, segue to where I want to go because yeah. it's really unconventional uh, where you see what is perceived as your number one goalie making half the money than the guy who's sitting on the bench tonight. And I get it. Jack Campbell, like you got to be a dick to not like this guy, cheer for him or yeah. want to be his friend. But you touched on it, Cujo. He has something I want, and that's the net. Now, it's one thing to be backing up you where it's just crystal clear. I'm never going to be the number one goalie. Mrazic comes in here and and has to be thinking, I want that net. I mean, how how does that play out internally for these two? Well, there you go. You just said it, too. They gave Mrazic all the money. So... And now you're starting Jack. I mean, Jack's got to be like, well, you know, I'll just keep on doing what I'm doing. And maybe Jack Campbell plays better under that underdog situation. Everybody's different. Everybody's motivated differently. Everybody's so maybe Jack is perfect in that position. I, I see that the guys play so well for him, too. So he must be a very likable guy. I don't, I don't know, Jack. Hopefully I'll get to know the players again this year. Uh, <laughs> we'll get back to normal. But uh um, guys seem to play well for him. He's the underdog. I, 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 I can, I'd like to predict he's going to do the same thing, but Morazic's got to be like, they're paying me all this money. I, I want the net. I want to prove myself. I want to earn that money. I want to be the guy. And getting back to another point that I didn't make, I, I like having a guy because when your team goes, Oh, he's a net. We can take some chances. We can take a little risk this guy's in net. If you got two guys and you're like, well, he's playing good. He's not playing bad. I don't know if we can play loose tonight. I like it when you have a guy that dominates the net. He's a star in there and the guys play looser and take some offensive chances. And that way you can win some games when you not normally would. But I think Jack's perfect for that underdog role, underpaid role kind of thing. You know, one thing that Leafs had going for him in net for a long time there with Freddie uh, Anderson was, like, just cool as a cucumber. Like, media didn't phase mm. him. Like, nothing really seemed to phase mm. him. Uh, Campbell seems a little bit more emotional, and, and Peter Mrazek is about to experience, the, the, I guess, the market. How different is yeah. it playing in Toronto than in other markets? It's hugely different. I remember going back to st louis after playing in edmonton and playing in toronto and going back there and i was just like whoa this is <laughs> this is uh wow I, I was here in my 20s and i thought this was pressure but uh it's uh it's not even close to being in toronto toronto's the to me is the epitome of of pressure cooker scrutiny media scrutiny because uh, you have so many so many media outlets and it's the hub and you know what if you're playing great 
which you hope you are, um, it's the best place in the world. But um, if you let it slip, you got to find a way not to let it affect you. And uh, that's the trick. That's the trick. And, and uh, maybe I can it, sit down with these guys and, and Mrazic and, and talk to them a little bit. It is a tough trick, uh, Curtis, because yeah. – uh, and, and Justin just touched on it with the, with the mental part. And you mentioned he was a, a first-rounder, but that was like 10 years ago. And, <laughs> like, the, ta- the talent is there. We see it. Mm-hmm. We saw it during stretches of uh, 11-game win streak. And we saw it in, in training camp. Like there, there was never any reason why this guy shouldn't have been a, a starting goaltender at some point in his career. Yet here we are, right. ten years later, and he's he's fighting for it for the first time. And there was a couple instances last season where I, I watched him in his his post game comments, and there was one where he said, "This loss is on me. I let the guys down. I I I." I let them down. And the other one was game seven, the biggest game of your life. And he says in his post game that I just let the worst goal in my career. And Curtis, I'm I'm sitting, I'm I'm, I'm going, buddy, even if you feel (laughs) that way, do not ever utter those words out. And I think if, if it's one thing that's held Jack back, it's, He's so hard on himself. Yeah. You know, you can be hard on yourself internally and behind closed doors, but you can never let that honesty, unfortunately, out like you said. And, and what, how did you feel when you heard that? You know what I mean? I, like you kind of yeah. cringed, right? Worried about yeah. the guy. <laughs> yeah, it's right? like, you know, it's, you know it's, somebody stay with him here because he shouldn't feel that bad. He shouldn't feel that way. It, I mean, we all get disappointed, and and there's, but we should always believe in ourselves. And even if you feel that way, uh, you know, that's that's just an internal thing that you need to manage on your own. You know, Kipper, I'll give you a perfect example. It leads into this. I I remember playing in a seven game series, and the other goalie on the other side said, "Well, I hope Curtis thinks I'm a good goalie." It was game seven. I hadn't played very well in the series, and I. I grew two sizes. I'm not kidding you. Those little things, those little things, you know, it just makes a difference. You cannot say them. You know, I always tell young goalies, I say in the NHL, I say, guys, never, never say when you play a bad game because they'll run it and they'll play it again in your worst times. They'll keep playing again. Always deflect, always deflect that. You'll get out of it. You'll get out of it before you know it. You're the one who knows that you're in a struggle. We'll say everybody catches on a little bit later, but don't ever say it. Anyway. Let me ask you something here. He's turning mm. 30 in January. Mm. Can, can he still learn it? Can he, can he get over a hump here? And, and can he do it in Toronto? I, in this mm-hmm. market, like I, I like his chances better doing it in Arizona or Carolina or Tampa Bay, but can he can he find that mental toughness in this market when we know how it fluctuates from game to game? Well, you know, he, he must have mental toughness, you know, like he must have it to, to be able to get through the season like that and playing big games and playoffs and everything. It's just that he's a completely honest, out there kind of kid which if you're his friend 
and teammate don't ever change. Like, we love you for it. That's why guys rally and play well for them because they love how open and honest and the accountability he takes. But I just don't know if you can say it in the media. That's the only thing I would say. Just, you know, just don't add fire to something that may be just little in one game, one goal, one shot, you know? Yeah. So, and th- th- yeah, there's no question that uh, yeah. you 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 do sense that AJB. You you sense that the Leafs really love this guy, and he's genuine, and he's sincere. And again, how can you not cheer for this guy? Yeah, no no question. If he could just have that, and then just be like, guys, I got you know, I'm gonna play. I got this game, or you know, say in the media, that's one game. We'll see what happens tomorrow type thing, and have that combination of grit and and open and honestness and accountability i mean that just covers all the bases right and then play well <laughs> which is yeah, good that's a huge part of it too the uh you know i wonder about the idea of how you present yourself as a goaltender to your team you know that sort of do you need to steal yourself like i understand in the media not saying anything at all but you know were you a guy that believes in the whole apology to a team and saying you're sorry like you're as a professional athlete mistakes happen but some guys like that where you know you hold yourself accountable publicly in the room yeah, there's a lot to it. You're in. A, I tell goalies, you're in a leadership position, whether you like it or not. Like you're on there for 60 minutes, and you know you are a starting goalie. Like I'll tell you what, what I used to do when I was struggling. Sometimes I would make that first save in the game. Uh, I would embellish it for my teammates, even though they knew I was struggling. <laughs> I would embellish it, and I would look at the bench, and guys would be leaned over the boards, tapping the boards with their gloves. And looking at each other, and I could, I could hear the conversation in my in my mind. It was like, "Oh, Kujo's ready tonight. Let's go, boys. We got it." And so, that's the game within the game. And and when you're hot like that, it, the team feeds on, off it, and they feel like they can go out there and maybe take an offensive chance, or you know, which you have to take at times. So, um, he's in a leadership role, and hopefully, um, you know, we're always growing. And he's, you know, he's he's new into this. Uh, number one goalie role type thing, 1-1-A, could be uh, number one by himself. You know, those are the little things that, that set you apart, and then you grow from there, and your teammates go, this guy's got it, this guy's got it, the team's better. So I tell you, I would, I would embellish that first save every once in a while and, and uh, first or second save and just uh, have my teammates rooting for me. I did the same thing when I played road hockey on uh, on Mose Hill, but it, windmill. it didn't it didn't do much for me. I can I can assure you. Just one last thought, Curtis. Uh, I want to go to you on, and we're talking about mental toughness with with goaltenders. And one guy that I thought you know, and we thought over his career just had ice in his veins. And you go back to those famous words where he told the Montreal fans to chill. Uh, and and that's Carey Price. So I mean, we talk about Jack Campbell, and then we see it on on, on a certain side with uh, with Carey Price. Just just your thoughts when you first heard about Carey taking himself out and mm-hmm. getting some help that he, uh, he he desperately needs. Yeah. So he um, he must have been struggling with this for a while. That just shows you how good he is. You know how mentally tough he is, and then. If he doesn't take care of that, it's going to affect him after hockey and, and his family and other people in his life. And so he was big enough to say, listen, this is more about this is more than just the game I play on the ice. This is about my family, 
my health, my, you know, what am I going to look like in 10 years? Let's fix this now. And uh, he is arguably the, the best goalie in the world. So, man, he must have some mental toughness to be able to play like he did last year through it all. And uh, good for him. I mean, we all applaud him. And uh, I want to see him back on the ice this year. It would be great and uh, be well, right? Well said. Hey, thanks for doing this. Enjoy the game tonight. You, you got to come back now. You, you got to be a regular on the Real Kipper and Bourne show. <laughs> I'd love to. You guys make it easy. It was so uh, – I, I love talking uh, to a friend, uh, you know, on, on the show like this. Uh, Kipper, you're so easy. It's, uh, it's like we're sitting down at the table having lunch. I love thanks it. Thanks for having me. I love it. Our pleasure having you. Uh, enjoy the start of the season, and we'll, we'll stay in touch. Curtis Joseph, we'll, everyone. Will do. That was awesome. Love getting his feedback. And, you know, the goaltenders, JB, they're all talented. It's, it's like golf, right? It's like golf. They're all talented, but what's between the ears? Oh, there I was rambling, rambling into my muted mic. No, I was going to say, Kipper, that is <laughs> such a great point about the, the golfer to goalie comparison because everybody can get big and get in a lane and block a shot. You know, they can stop one. Why can't you do it every time? Some guys are like Tiger Woods and they can lock into that mentality and some guys just can't do it consistently. It's a totally great overlap. Yeah, well, uh, we... we uh... We certainly know that these guys uh, can get the job done with their talent, but game's on the line. Uh, you can't be uttering the words. I just let the worst goal of my career in, and, and I feel bad for, for Jack. Uh, but uh, as Curtis has said, there is mental strength in there for him to even get to this point. Now it's about getting over the hump. So what do you got on tap for us uh, JB, uh, you got something coming out with uh, crunching numbers on the Leafs? Yeah, it's less crunching numbers. I uh, I took a bunch of stats from Mark Askin's stat pack, a, a little preseason pack, and looked at some interesting stuff on the Leafs over the past couple of years. Tried to find a couple of trends and interesting uh, news and notes before we head into the season. So I figured what I would do is... You know, I bolded a couple, and I'm going to run them past you and get your take. You know, we did, we've done useless, useful or useless on stats before in the past. This is a little bit of that. So one of the stats I have for you today, Kipper, is the Leafs goals against by year and their league rank. You know, looking back at the past three, four years, you're looking at 22nd in the league, 20th in the league, 26th in the league. Last year, they were 7th. You know, they were in that North division, but does that tell you something about that this team is actually different than, you know, the way we lump this team in with a, the past five years as a total? 100%. Yeah. Ab ab absolutely. And I, I, I call it uh, the irregular season because that was anything but a regular season, right? Well done. New division, yeah. new division, uh, uh, never leave the country it was a strange one but saying that you end up playing those games and you get yourself seventh in defense that that's something to be said and it was noticeable for me their defensive play was noticeable yeah and they got a lot less cute in the neutral zone and i had said this last year justin and i, I again i don't know what the stats or the analytics say but they were when they needed to be a dump and chase team. But part of being able to get their goals against down to seven 
would mean not turning the puck over four feet outside the blue line or four yeah. feet inside the blue line. Those are the that that eight that eight feet with the blue line in the middle at mm-hmm. both ends of the ice improved tremendously for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So give Sheldon Keep a lot of credit for that. Yeah. Uh, that they that he was able to still have Austin produce and have Marner produce and yet get that number down. So if if the Leafs can kind of continue that trend, then those those are good numbers, solid numbers. Yeah, yeah you're right. They had guys that can get after it between Hyman and Mikheyev and Engvall and you know a lot of guys who hounded it pretty well. And then uh, around the blue lines, uh, you know, they actually had a top four. TJ Brody made a big difference in, you know, making cute little passes, uh, you know, slip passes to get them out of the zone, no turnovers in those areas. So uh, see, I see what you saw as well. Um, you know, one one of the other themes from All or Nothing was the mental side of the game for this team, right? That's I would say that's at the core of what All or Nothing was, was a look at this team's mental side, their concern for the mental side. Here's the Leafs' goal differential by period in the 2020-2021 season. In the first period, they're plus 23. In the second period, they're plus 13. In the third period, plus 4. And in overtime, minus 2. They got worse as the game went on in every period, and the pressure mounted, and I would say the mental game part of the game uh, became more important. Is that useful or useless information for you? No, no. Uh, you Useful. Absolutely. Uh, and there is something to be said that uh, you, you, we want to go back to my golf. Mm-hmm. Hey, Thursday and Friday, make the cut. Great. Win the tournament. <laughs> show up Sunday. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and that the third period is your Sunday, and that that's when you're gonna make or break. Yeah, for the Leafs, it, it's it's a trend that that uh, speaks volumes, and maybe it had a lot to do with how they fizzled out in those last three games. But uh, I, I and overtime wasn't a big deal for them, right? They hardly had any last year, correct? JB? Yeah, not not many. They um what do they got? Five five goals for, seven goals against in overtime last year. So they're in a dozen. And still came out on the wrong end of that, uh, you know, with all their talent. There was some question about, you know, the guys going over the boards. Is Justin Hall gonna be a guy you want to see out there in three on three this season? You know, I how they, they deploy their defensemen in overtime is gonna be interesting. Wow. Is, Ra- is Rasmus Sandin gonna go now? There was uh, the the last exhibition game Sunday. They they just absolutely annihilated Ottawa, right? But uh, Ottawa's only goal did you do you remember it? No, not. Uh, I think it was Formington with a a tap in, two on one tap in, with Connor Brown making a great play. You remember it? Yep, I do. Okay, all right. So here they are up one nothing, and Justin Hall is going to play like Bobby Orr now. Okay, so he decides with less than a minute to go, he's going to make it to nothing. And what happens in a split second, he's caught between the hash marks in the offensive zone right back on a two on one. So Mm -hmm. that's the part that you got to clean up. That's the part where you go to Justin Hall. Listen, if, if there's some opportunities, yeah, okay, in certain parts of the but less than a minute to go like uh, 
Sheldon needs to put one of those collars around his neck, <laughs> and if if it's less Shock. than five minutes to go, and he and he goes over the red line, you zap him. And, <laughs> Just, you know, is right? that even be illegal? No, I, I get the idea. It's like you listen. You're, we're not throwing you over the boards in OT because we think you're going to be the guy to get the winner. We think you're going to be the guy that frees up our other guys to go get the winner. So uh, yeah, that context is important for him. Uh, we will see what happens this year. I imagine Rasmus Sandin is your second guy to go. You're going to use Riley. Uh, Brody probably goes too. Muzzin probably doesn't. I imagine Sandin's at a hall, so we'll see how they decide to do that. All right, two more for you before we go to break. The uh, Looking at their special teams over the past five years, this team, so if you take their power play rank, like five years ago they were second in the league on the power play, and they were 10th on the penalty kill. So you combine those, it adds up to 12. They were the 12th. Uh, best special teams uh, team that year. They were 12th five years ago, 13th four years ago, then 25th, then 27th. Sorry, that's not by rank. That's combined total. Sorry, they, and they were 40th last year. So they were the 16th best power play, 24th best penalty kill. On the wrong side of the league in both regards, how important is it that this team get that figured out this season? They're getting worse. And to me, that's a reflection of coaching at that point. They have the talent. Did did that not cost them the last three games in the first round? Like, right. Get, power play doesn't go for a big dump. You go to the second round. I, I think it's it's that simple. And yeah, they they have to fix that. And again, when uh, when I start seeing Sheldon start throwing other names on the penalty kill, I, I think that that's a great thing for the Toronto Maple right. Leafs. And I don't want to see. Mitch Marner playing 24, 27 minutes some nights, and a large portion of it is the penalty kill. If you're going to keep his minutes high, then I want him even strength or or power play. I need that guy to create offense. I don't need him uh, using up a ton of energy uh, on the penalty kill. They they got to spread this thing out. And if if Nylander can come in and alleviate some of that for for Marner, then that'll that'll be a, a good thing. But I'm not sold yet on on Nylander and and being that that guy that uh, like it's it's a it's a compete thing, Justin. That, that penalty oh, yeah. kill stops and starts and and I'm just discipline shots, and, getting in the lane. Right, you do not. It's it's not about poaching and and figure eights and you know the one thing about Mitch too when he kills penalties, he's actually thinking about shorthanded opportunities oh, like sure you can see that you can really see that this isn't about get the puck and shoot it down the ice if he has opportunities he's going to go and i think he's been encouraged to do that but again that takes a lot of energy takes a ton of energy it's a lot easier to shoot the puck down the ice than it is hey maybe i can create something here mm-hmm. so that that needs to be fixed hopefully yeah, they and- spread the love on the pk and uh it's, it's better for everybody and maybe if uh, if Mitch is going to do that, not having him out there with Mikheyev, like having someone who can finish those chances. If you're going to go, I'd like to see them put a, f- a few more in. They didn't score a ton of shorties. Uh, you mentioned him at even strength, and this wasn't even one I was going to mention, but I might as well because uh, their even strength goals over the past three seasons, best team in the NHL, Washington Capitals uh, second, Tampa Bay Lightning third. But this is the best five-on-five team in the NHL yeah. well, at producing that's, offense. It, it, it's led by the best five-on-five player on the planet and that's austin matthews yeah and i mean that is that is 
huge, you know. Uh, it is. And, and by the way, my my one good year in Hartford, I had 17 goals, all of them even straight. Oh, this guy, what a contributor. All of them. All of them. <laughs> it's not think, worth nothing, though. I'm joking, but it's not worth nothing. I think Jeff Sanderson had 40 that year, and I think he only had about four more even strength goals than me. That's amazing. Yeah, so it's just eating on the paper. So uh, <laughs> not that I'm bringing it around to me, but Austin Matthews has the ability to be a real threat five on five. And he absolutely drives that for the Leafs. And it's well, uh, it's a good thing because, as we know, Justin, as the season progresses, those power plays, they dry up. Yeah. And by the end of the the season, including the playoffs, what do you, two, maybe three power plays at the most? So that five-on-five so, five has to continue. So Matthews is the best five-on-five scorer in hockey. I think that's just not even remotely up for for debate. Um, in his rookie year, he went 13 games once without a goal. That was his longest goalless drought of his career. In the four seasons since, his, his longest goal droughts. Do you think he has a scoring streak longer than his longest goal drought? What would be your prediction there? Yes. Yes, he does. Okay, his longest goal droughts by year, five, six, five, five. We're talking this guy's never, since his rookie year, has never gone seven games in a row without scoring, uh, and his longest goal-scoring yeah. streak is seven goals. That's absurd, is it not? It, it is, and um, not to swing this back to my conversation earlier, but this is, this is the sounds of not a centerman. It's the sounds of a winger, a pure... <laughs> shooter Just like can talks. we recall can we recall in the past jb that you can remember a pure sniping center iceman you know, I just, I guess I obviously think of like Gretzky, but he's not a pure sniper. You know, Lemieux even when he scored sniper. 92, he was always a guy that came across as a pass first guy, which tells you for sure. What a, an amazing year he had on a couple occasions scoring over 200 points, but it is, he is, he's all about shooting the puck. Uh, And I don't, I I mean, for me again, uh, I, I like that traditional playmaker. Just go be Brett Hall or Ovi and just shoot it in the net kid. The, um, the last one I'll leave you with before we we go to break is uh, four years ago. So in 17, 18, the Leafs won seven games in a shootout. Um, you know, that's that's a good total. Uh, there's been three hockey seasons since. Can you guess how many shootout wins they have over those three seasons combined since? I'll take the under on, on matching the seven. So that's uh, I, would... I will I, I will say uh, three or four. Yeah, it's actually less. It is two. two. They have won two games in a shootout over three years. Zero in eighteen nineteen, one in nineteen twenty, and one in twenty twenty one. They didn't go to a shootout. I don't think they went to a shootout more than a time or two last season. But man, what are the odds of that? Like this team surely wins five games in a shootout this year. I have to imagine. Can, can we get rid of it? Oh, I know. Just give me ten minutes of three on three, and then let's all. Okay, go home. think about it. Like. Why did they introduce it in 2004? It was because th- there was a fear that people weren't getting enough value in 65 minutes. 
has, has that changed? Can people go home feeling like they got their money's worth without this thing? I just love three on three so much. Like, give me, give me another seven, you know, another five minutes of it or something. Sammy, are you, you going to jump in on this one? Well, uh, I'll jump in and say that I kind of like the shootout. Um, I, as a guy who just loves hockey moves and like studying guys, breakaway moves and dangles and stuff. I love the, I love when the Leafs aren't in it. Let's just say that. But mm-hmm. I had a, I had a, a question for you guys. That's kind of, it's not a stat question, but if I told you that the Leafs game was a, not a sellout tonight, would you believe me? I feel like uh, you would be telling us if it wasn't. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so yes, I, I would. So it's it's not, not a sellout. The Leafs game is not a sellout tonight. So I don't know if that has a lot to do with maybe people are still a little scared of, you know, the COVID stuff or they're, they're not be. vaccinated or whatever, but that's, that's ha- pretty has crazy. To be. Wow. Has to be a comfort zone for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so are tickets not going to be $396 to no, sell no, there's, after? They're still obscene. They're still obscene. <laughs> okay. But it's just maybe it's the Jays were outside, so you had that comfort of being in the open-air stadium or whatever, and, you know, it's a little less close quarters there, so maybe that that's playing into it. But it's pretty crazy, you know. Opening night versus the Habs with this roster, this expectation, and opening night isn't a sellout. I just wanted to get that in there before we hit the break. Mm-hmm. Pretty crazy. Yeah, but you you got to understand though too. It, it was it was just mere days ago that people were under the impression that they were only going to have nine or ten thousand fans, right? It's true. It's a good point. So uh, I'm not saying that uh, people can't make last minute decisions, but. People are also busy, you know, and they've yeah, got yeah. things yeah. and plans and kids and and all of that. And uh, you Big know, Canada I, soccer I, game tonight. Too, I think down the I think that, that 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 quick turnaround from hey everybody, there's a lot more tickets available, or now you can go. Maybe it maybe just cut a little uh, a few people off guard. Okay, just wanted to mention I, that, boys. Good take. I, lo- I love it with. Uh... With Sheldon Keefe now, we're telling them to work on the power play, and they're trying to get rid of tickets. Still, plenty of good seats available. Though they're coming, the Chiefs here. This is a uh, this is concerning <laughs> for the Leafs. Oh well, that's. Uh, uh, I'm sure they'll get the seats sold. Yeah. Just one last thought: with no Matthews on the power play, you still want Mitch Marner in the bumper position, or do you kind of maybe put him back on a on 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 one of the flanks? I think they probably want to not mess with what they've been practicing. So I bet they plug and play a guy. I think Spez has been working there. So I'm guessing they want to stick with the way they want to run the power play rather than revert back to whatever the hell happened last year. All right, I, I buy that. Yeah. It all starts tonight. Still calling Marner a game-time decision. But we say there's... There's no decision to be made. Hey, JB. So <laughs> no, he's we, playing two-touch right now. In the we know he's playing. Yeah. One guy we know that isn't playing is Shea Weber. What is – besides – Who could have seen that Physically, coming? what about mentally what this means to the Montreal Canadiens not having this guy around? Well, yeah, you know, they talk about him as like their tentpole guy. He's a leader, right? He's he, where you always want to do as someone like Shea Weber does. He was uh, the the guy to follow. So that's a big loss. That's a big loss, and obviously a big intimidation factor on the ice. They don't have anymore. So I did talk uh, tee it up uh, earlier in the show that I was going to kind of revisit that whole Shea Weber and, and the tweet this. 
the tweet that I put out last, what, February of 2020, and how it kind of shook up the Montreal Canadiens and their world and their fans. And if I memory serves me and it does because it still stings i got to be honest with you jb yeah. uh when yeah. i think about it and the way it played out uh still pisses me off to say the least and just to kind of revisit for everybody uh in february 2020 uh, shea weber went down and was out of the lineup they ended up putting him on ir i think on February 6th, but I had put out a, t- uh, a, a, a tweet that basically said that uh, his season is likely over, and there were already conversations on that part alone, and Bob McKenzie, who's one of the best in the business, at, at that point already talked about his, he, uh, he was hearing the same thing, that his season was likely over. I added that his future is in question. And I had that based on the fact that uh, his injury was related to uh, his foot that he had surgically repaired uh, earlier. And they were still waiting for confirmation to further evaluate, but it just seems his uh, surgery was unavoidable. And and that was the, the gist of it. Right. And oh man, did, did the world blow up for me. Uh, with yeah. that tweet. And do you remember, I think you were on Hockey Central at noon with Amber and maybe Stewie. And I didn't watch you guys, but someone tweeted or uh, texted me that you guys had, had mentioned that my tweet and and the ripple effect it started. Sorry. Do you remember that? I do. I know. It was just one of those, you know, the tweet itself was, you know, something we we obviously you are such a trusted name a news breaker and a name and an insider and so it was like well what does this mean you know if his future's in question what what happened here what are we missing you know it was like one of those ones that like the details were uh, we just wanted to know more and so from your end how did you how did you arrive at that and how did it go from there well, like anything else, you just talk to people that are uh, some of them a little closer to the situation than others, and I, I felt I, I was I was good on it, and I so know like someone in the organization tells you, you know, hey man, like this this here it's you know it's not broken but it's a messed up foot and yeah yeah yeah, you know I could tell you but I'd have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I don't want to do so, that because some it's a brand assistant new athletic show. therapist is like, oh God, he's gonna out me. So by by five PM that day, so I would I had text that maybe about twelve thirty, twelve forty five by five PM that day, the Canadians announced that it was a left sprain ankle and that he was out four to six weeks. Yeah. And then everybody just started kicking my ass, right? <laughs> <laughs> that it was wrong. And I had known behind the scenes, Mark Bergevin was going absolutely nuts. And mother effing me, every chance yeah. he had, he was so pissed off at me. And um, and now I'm all by myself, right? Like, 
No one was coming on to my island. rescue <laughs> on an island. I ain't gonna lie. There was that. nobody. All my pals at Sportsnet disappeared. Oh, Everybody. <laughs> there's not one person that came out there and said, "Listen, uh, if you followed Nick's career." It was the same guy that told us P.K. Subban was traded for Weber. It was the same guy that told us Pacioretty asked for a trade, wanted to leave Montreal. Maybe he's on to something. No, Maybe there's nothing. something here. Nothing. I was completely by myself. And you know what the worst part about that, that, that next week was that he, they announced four to six weeks Montreal. The guy was skating within like 10 days. Nine seconds. And he was back out there. So whatever was said to, between him and the doctor on how much more damage that you can do or what the risks and rewards were, um, he was okay to come back. And I, I just want to so say this. So it wasn't about, that you, got, you get bad information or did you no, misinterpret information? Okay. No, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still feeling like I'm good. And he's just the mountain man. He is, <laughs> yeah. he is a just freak like, of nature. It. His tolerance for pain or taking a chance or whatever that is, that's on Shea Weber, and he mm-hmm. is just a one-off, man. We'll, we'll, we'll hardly ever see another player maybe put up with the tolerance, the, the, the pain tolerance that he did, and he's back out there. And now everybody's giving me the – Oh, Kipper, you just really screwed that one up, man. He's out there playing again, and you're just an idiot. And on top of that now, I'm just – I know how Mark Bergevin feels about me, and I'm like, I, I, I got I to gotta reach out to him. You know, I, I got I to gotta reach out to him, and I, I did. And uh, I, I let him know that it wasn't my intention to cause a disruption. My tweet was only to kind of reiterate – your concerns that you had for Shay, and I was just happy, and I'm happy to discuss it with you. That's how I left it. And to yeah. to Mark Bergevin's credit, JB, he he did send me back, and he did say I appreciate the note. But the only thing he said was, uh, "You need to make a public apology to Shay Weber." And I'm like, "Oh God, oh man, <laughs> not, like, not this." You know, and and the other thing that he said to me was. Your next player, devastating room, uh, rumors and, and how it affects him and his family. And, you know, and I'm like, I want to do the right thing here, but I still stand by what I'm saying here. Okay. So, how am I going to do this? So, I told him, I'll take, I'll take your, co- uh, your comments in serious consideration and, uh, and uh, I'll see what I can do. And, and sure enough, I did. I sent out a tweet. And I said my tweet was only to uh, try to advance the story. And I believe that I properly identified the injured foot, but it was not my intent to mislead anyone about his immediate future. So in saying that, uh, I want to apologize to Shea for not choosing my words with more sensitivity. (laughs) You see how I... um, I'm maybe... The the words weren't... Apologizing for the... I'm not selling myself. I'm not throwing myself under the bus right here. I'm right. I'm Kyle Dubis right now, JB. I'm doubling down on my guys. Okay. Yeah. And if you think I wasn't sweating it out then, man. Uh, no kidding. No kidding. So uh, listen, 20 months later, he's 
career's in jeopardy. Yeah. And you think anybody would call me back out of Montreal? <laughs> uh, yeah, they get, oh, my. Like, anybody could just, you know, hey, maybe, you know, maybe me and Burge will have a beer one day, and it's like, I can get you were uh, on to something. Anyway, maybe then. I can tell him, you know, maybe his career might have been in more jeopardy than you would have thought back then. But, you know, it this is just kudos goes- to him that this guy is that tough, man. It obviously was a major issue. And this guy's just like, I'm just going to power through major. Ma- like we're talking about they don't build them like this anymore. Right. Yeah. And, you know, good on him for hanging in there. But it was crystal clear at the end of last season that he just he just cannot do it anymore and he does not want to limp the rest of his life and i'm sure there is another surgery that's going to have to correct it maybe one more time but it's to 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 live a healthy and productive life not to play professional hockey so i i don't know how this is going to turn out uh, i don't expect to see him back but again he's the mountain man jb yeah I know. You do not doubt men like him. Um, no, it's, uh, but it's anyway. not like anyone saw your tweet and thought you were just, like, lying you know, in your basement, just, like, making uh, stuff up. What you know, can I do to get likes? That <laughs> yeah. ain't it. No, no, no. That's the opposite of it, actually. Well, that's, uh, I'm, you know, there is, I, I hope he's okay. There's some small amount of validation in that now. Um, certainly the Habs could use him back, so... Um, should we move on to Sammy's? Yes. Uh, Let's, all right. Sammy, you got some over-under for us? I do, fellas, and I, I love this. And this is something that I used to do with uh, Ben Nicholson-Smith and Arden Zwelling on At The Letters when we first started that podcast back in the day. So I'm bringing it to the big time here, boys. So oh. uh, these, all these numbers that I'm going to go with, with the um, the goals off the top, are the numbers are from Cool Bet. So I'll start with Austin Matthews on an over-under. 52 and a half goals is the total set on cool bet. That seems like a really high number considering he's never gotten to 50 before. What do you guys think about that? Well, for me, it's a games played question. Mm. You know, if he, if so he's you're healthy, saying, you're he's saying if he doesn't play the games, he cannot get 53 <laughs> goals. This is my wow. Opinion, Nick. Yeah. Wow. Well, Give no, us something the, the, to think about, JB. I think <laughs> if you look at his career, he has yet to show us he's an 82 game player. He can score at a 70 goal pace, but will are you betting on him being healthy? I am going to take the over because I think he shot it in the net 41 times last year in 50 some games. But it's for me, it's a matter of if he's healthy, he does it for sure. Will he be healthy? I got him over 52. This guy's gonna come in. He's he's got that uh, that love to score your, goals. Your favorite winger in the league. He will he will play 75 games and he will get oh he'll get 55 goals if he gets even 75. So we give him three off to start this season and we'll we'll give him a few more uh, and he's good Sprinkle to go. Sprinkle a couple. I'm going slight under, fellas. I think he's going to be in the 48, 49 range. Hater. So, what? A real Sam, disappointing year. Is it Sam A. McKee on Twitter? Yeah. At Sam A. McKee? For well, I just don't think he'll play enough games. He's, he's always going to miss, you know, 10, 15 games. I just feel like that's kind of going to be him for his career. So I think, yeah, I think 49, 48 is a better number. All right. Next one here. Mitch Marner point total. Over under 93 and a half points. Number from Coolbet as well. Hundred, hundreds are given with this guy this year. So is over. It? Yep. 
I, I too am uh, uh, optimistic. I, I think he had 94 two years ago. I don't think that he's worse than he was two years ago. Uh, I'm, I'm taking over as well. Yeah, easy, three, clean sweep, over. All right, next one here. This one is crazy low to me, and it feels like they know something. William Nylander over under 22 and a half goals. 22 and a half. Yes. The most Not, ridiculous line. It's crazy. If he scores 23 goals. You win. Uh, they're gonna, there's going to be a million Leaf fans driving him to the airport on with a one-way ticket. He needs my favorite, more. My favorite part of this is that Zach Hyman's over-under line on the same website, CoolBet, is 31.5. So they got Hyman scoring nine more goals than Willie. Sorry, eight more, but whatever it is. No, it's nine. Um, So, yeah, easy over. It's one of the lowest lines. He scored 31 goals in like 60-some games a couple years ago. This guy's well, well over 22.5. Yeah, I don't know. There's just They put that number out there for a reason. I don't know. These books. they know something you don't? I don't know. I just think that's a low number for a reason. So I I would say over. It seems obvious to be over, but I I got my my ears up against that one. All right, last goal one for us. This is also a low line considering the, the years that he's had. John Tavares over under 26 and a half goals. Under for me. Mm. And I'll tell you why. Please. Because this guy needs to, he needs to score 50 assists. And he needs, he needs Nylander and he needs Richie with high numbers. And I think he's, if I'm not mistaken, he's only had one year in his career where he's had 50 assists. He needs apples, boys. Apples this year. I don't care about the goals. Yeah. Going to be a distributor on that line. I, I, you know, still feel optimistic that he scores more than that based largely on his power play usage. I feel like they're going to find a way to get him more involved. He's so good around that blue paint. Uh, even though he's not the fastest guy, I think he'll, he'll, he'll do his dirty work in the blue paint. Yeah, I'm going to go slight over as well. Okay. Here we go. The big one, the coup de grace on the opening night of the Leafs season here. This is made by me. This line is set by the McKee bookie here. <laughs> Over under Leafs playoff rounds one. And I'm setting the line at 0.5. So it's either none or, or over that. So what are we doing here, fellas? Uh, I'm, I'm, I want Kipper to go first. I'm, I'm afraid. Yeah, Kipper, you go first. Do you really want me to kind of rain on the parade opening? Oh, no. <laughs> I, back hey, in keep the in mind, Ray, division. we're a Leafs show, my friend. Back in the Atlantic Division, guys, okay, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to win that first round. Who's it against? Boston? Oh, oh, Tampa? Boston. No, because when you win the Atlantic, Kipper, then you draw <laughs> you know, a wild card team from the other side. They're going to be fine. There you go. Okay. <laughs> I'm taking over to high. hell with you. I'm taking yes, over. I'm, I'm, I'm in on the Leafs. Let's go. All right. Um, yeah, I'm going slight over. And what do we think is happening tonight, fellas? Quick prediction. You can't lose four in a row to the Montreal Canadiens. Mm. No point for no show, uh, Shea Weber. Okay? Yeah. Four in a row? Come on. That's, they're not, that's not happening tonight. That's you know what? I'm I, tonight. Yeah, I might have predicted something uh, in Montreal's favor, but having PJ Stock on the show today, talking oh, me with you know, no, no price, no Weber, Edmondson's out, paying too many guys too much money. 
I'm on the Leafs, obviously, so uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be taking the Leafs. Leafs win 4-2, Richie and Bunting with their first as Leafs. How about that, fellas? So, uh, Zach Hyman demoted to the second line in Edmonton. Oh, no. He's not playing with Dreisaitl or McDavid tonight. What do you, you think sign of that guy? Eight years for that. You don't, you don't go to Ed- Edmonton for eight years to play with RNH. That's not why you do it. Uh, Five games on tap tonight in the National Hockey League. One of them, obviously, as we just spoke moments ago, the Edmonton Oilers and the Vancouver Canucks. They'll follow up the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Montreal Canadiens on Sportsnet. Have fun, everybody. We'll wrap it up tomorrow's show. Thanks for listening.